0: Beltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready? The Drive. Elmore deep, left side, three is good!
1: From 30 feet,
0: John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan.
1: Paul Swan still off this week. Adam Rogers filling in for him here on The Drive. Presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center. And a happy Thursday to you as this is the final Thursday of October. Getting ready for November to come around. Paul taking the week off today, as I mentioned, with the herd football team on the bye. Paul Swan taking the bye as well. Adam Rogers again filling in for him today. Happy to have you with us here on the drive on uh, what's turned out to be a great Thursday here in Huntington. Sunny, beautiful day in the tri state area. And uh, working to get on the line right now from RotoWire, Joe Bartle. Uh, who joins Paul every Thursday to talk some fantasy football. Has lots to talk about fantasy football-wise with tons of injuries going across the board. Some trades happening as well last week. So uh, lots to talk with uh, Joe about today as we uh, work to get in touch with him again so that we can talk to him about all these things. Because tonight kicks off week eight of the NFL season. The Miami Dolphins hitting the road to NRG Stadium in Houston to take on the Houston Texans. Both teams 4-3 and three on the season. Dolphins, though, with some injuries. Wide receiver, pretty depleted core there, but especially at quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, still out for the Dolphins. So Tannehill has been replaced at the quarterback spot by Brock Osweiler, and uh, he'll be going to to try to match wits with Deshaun Watson, the quarterback for the Houston Texans, who uh, has looked really good coming back off of the injury from last season. He's my fantasy quarterback, and I actually had a question for Joe regarding uh, Deshaun Watson this week and whether or not I should play Watson against the Dolphins tonight. Dolphins have allowed a 300-yard passer every game this season not allowing a lot of touchdowns to wide receivers, but uh, has allowed a lot of passing yards to opposing quarterbacks so far this year. Or do I start Jared Goff against the Packers on Sunday? That's my question because I'm not really certain where to lean on this one. Uh, Again, Goff has been really good for the, the Rams this season, but, uh, it's the Todd Gurley show, it seems like, more or less in L.A. is uh, Gurley will get a couple of touchdowns early on. Goff will get one touchdown, and then the Rams will go up 21-3, 21-7. And then Todd Gurley just runs the football the rest of the way. And uh, then eventually the Rams get up big late in the contest and then put in reserves. So uh, it's a, you know a toss-up for me at quarterback this week with Deshaun Watson and Jared Goff. Uh, again, we work to, to try to hear from Joe Bartle from RotoWire, uh, but later on here on the show, we'll be joined by Dave Wilson from the uh, from Wajr up in Morgantown. He also hosts the first hour of the pregame show for the IMG broadcast at for the Marshall Thundering Herd. You hear him right after Paul Swan and Dave Walsh finish there. Uh, discussions on our local pregame show. He'll join me to talk about the Herd's bye week this week and with the rest of Conference USA in action, an opportunity for uh, the Herd with the off week to potentially make up some ground in the Conference USA standings as, again, other teams will be in action. The Herd will be off. And we'll also talk a little about the Mountaineers contest tonight. Dave does live in Morgantown, so... He's uh, kind of in the line there with what is going on in West Virginia football land, as he also hosts the morning show there as well. And, uh, again, we'll hear from Dave once uh, we uh, come up a little later on in the program. And uh, now we finally get uh, connected, get through to the man from RotoWire. wire Joe Bartle joins us now on the program to talk some fantasy football. Joe. Adam Rogers, happy to have you with us on the show, filling in for Paul this week, but uh, happy to talk some fantasy football with you.
2: Yeah, looking forward to talking fantasy
1: football with you as well. So, uh, again, I mentioned before we got you on that uh, I had a question for you coming into the week. I got a quarterback problem, I think, uh, this week. I've got Deshaun Watson tonight against the Dolphins, who, as I mentioned, given up 300 yards to opposing quarterbacks so far on the year. And then I've also got Jared Goff on Saturday, on Sunday against the Packers. And uh, Goff, as we know, doesn't really get as many touchdown passes as we would like to see this season because Todd Gurley seems to be running it in a lot. So uh, from your perspective, where should I lean on uh, Watson tonight or Goff on Sunday?
2: Yeah, you know what? I'm a Packers fan, so it's going to pain me to say it, but I suspect that Jared Goff is going to have a field day against the Packers. I- Maybe Gurley ends up being the one that scores a touchdown, but Rams are going to be able to move the ball against that Packers defense, and this could be a situation by the end of the first half, or maybe the Rams are up 21 or 24 to nothing or 24 to 7, something like that. I anticipate it's going to be a high score, but the Packers aren't going to go away, so I don't, I'm not fearful of the fact that uh, Goff just won't have any opportunities. I think there's going to be plenty of stuff for them to be able to throw the ball, and they're going to be able to move it effectively. Again, the red zone, I'm not so much concerned about that. Todd Gurley's going to get his numbers, and whether it's running or passing, he's going to get some touchdowns. I anticipate Goff is going to be the better matchup. At least in my mind, he's the safer of the two. If you look at the defensive positioning tool, the the, uh, Dolphins are only giving up about a point and a half more than the Packers are this season. So if you're going to go with the safer play, I think Jared Goff is probably the way to look at it. You,
1: You read my mind. It's like you knew instinctively what I was leaning toward, and you told me exactly what I wanted to hear. That doesn't happen often, <laughs> well, does it?
2: We have this chemistry already. It's, yeah, perfect. I'll say
1: that that, that probably doesn't happen often when someone asks you for fantasy advice for you to, to kind of read what they were thinking already and to to reaffirm their their uh, you know thoughts.
2: Yeah, and frankly, it's more. I'm not. I'm not really looking forward to this Thursday night matchup at all. Of course. Any football is, uh, is great. I mean, we love to see football on, on the NFL and everything else. But the Texans versus Dolphins—it's not a fantastic matchup. And I know Deshaun Watson is a dynamic quarterback, and I hope that he gets better as the season progresses. But I'm wondering if it wasn't more of an anomaly what we saw last against the Jaguars. I'm just—I I need to see more from Deshaun Watson and the Texans offense before I feel confident using them in a primetime matchup, certainly, but in a Thursday night one off of short rest, uh, and especially in comparison to a Packers-Rams matchup, which should see Jared Goff and the Rams do very, very well.
1: I hear a lot of people talk with the Rams that uh, as good as the team is right now, it it might not be so great for your fantasy team as the year progresses because – Coaching staff there in LA really likes to rotate players in and keep players healthy there at the end of the game once that leads built up, what is your kind of take on the Rams players or uh, defensive special teams as the, the year progresses on if they are able to, to keep up this pace right now at 7 and0?
2: Well, generally speaking, I, I, if the Rams are going to be up ahead significantly to the point where their players are being taken out you know late in the fourth quarter or even early third quarter or sorry late third quarter. They probably scored a lot of fantasy points for your team as it is. Like that's that's one of those situations where it's not like NBA. NBA you do have to worry about players uh, that you'd be expecting to do very well potentially just not if their team blows the other team out. In the NFL, it's not quite the case. I mean, if the Rams are up, it's probably because Todd Curley did well, probably because Jared Goff did well, and any one of those receivers, whether it is Cooks, uh, whether it is you know Woods, or even a, a, a guy like um, well really mainly those two, especially with the injury that we have seen through that receiving core for the Rams so far. So generally speaking, those guys are going to have done something in order to warrant uh, that team getting so far ahead. So I'm not too much worried about that, and I think the, the defense that you brought up at the end of that question actually is more of a concern to me. There there has historically been situations where you can use the roulette defensive strategy when putting together your lineup. This year in particular, with the likes of the Bills and Cardinals and Giants to some extent, struggling as much as they have offensively you can pick up a defense off the waiver wire and start them and get maybe top five top 10 fantasy production at that position that given week and with so many bad teams available to target this season in particular a team like the rams defensively you don't really have to rely on them as much as you might in other years and frankly the rams were one of the top three or four defenses drafted this year and they have not at all performed up to those expectations i think it's fair to say that if you're holding on to them, hoping for better, uh, you know, greener, well, I was going to say greener pastures, but hoping for better production later on in the season, I think it's com- you could be comfortable dropping them and, and looking somewhere else.
1: I'm, I'm glad you kind of bring up uh – defensive production uh, because it kind of leads me to my next question uh the bears started off great defensively and were on an absolute tear then khalil mack got a little injured and now bears defense isn't quite what it has been what is your advice for bears defense owners uh, moving forward now
2: yeah i mean khalil mack kind of dictated that whole renaissance so to speak for that defensive uh team and i i think that you know his health is going to be dependent on whether you can confidently use them, but let's say the Bears' defense, what it was in the beginning of the season, was probably two or three overall. They're still going to be a top 10 or top 10, 15 defense, and they have some good matchups towards the end of the season. I'm looking at the Lions they play in both Week 10 and in Week 12. They have the Giants and what could be Kyle Oletta starting. It could be Eli Manning. Either way, you should be able to take advantage of that in Week 13. And in Week 16, they also have the 49ers. So you you'll want to keep that defense around for certain matchups, and the potential they give you both in the turnover category, which they've done very well this season so far, and in the sack category, whether it is Cleo Mac healthy or not, I think is a reason why you want to keep them. But again, I go back to that roulette style where there are so many bad teams, and I anticipate as the weeks progress there will be more bad teams that you can kind of take advantage of and, and play week to week. There are a bunch of the Browns and, and the Cardinals and Giants and, uh, Bills that are going to happen and are going to be there and, the Raiders and Jets could fit into that discussion too where you could take advantage of them where I wonder if you shouldn't just be playing roulette defense the rest of the season. Don't don't worry about wasting a roster spot on a team like the Rams, that like we mentioned, or the Vikings. The Bears, I understand a little bit more if you want to hold two defenses, but in most instances I think the roulette defense is the way to go for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I've kind of taken that approach myself over the last couple of years of not having that second defense on my team to have that s- extra skill player available to me to, to play that roulette based off of matchups. But it seems like this year, too, you mentioned with so many bad teams, a lot of that due to injury, It, it one team one week defensively matches up so well, and then the next week they, it seems like a great matchup, but then it kind of falls apart. So what's your advice for the, the roulette defenses as to week-to-week to week looking at a particular team that seems like it has a great matchup on paper Week each weekend? but uh, just maybe not pan out. you have more patience with that team but just based off of the schedule like you were talking about with uh, the Lions coming up for the Bears? How how far ahead do you tend to tell people typically to, to hold on to their defense and look ahead?
2: I think it depends on how your lineup and your roster is constructed. If you can afford to waste a roster spot or two knowing in week 13 or week 14 you can probably take advantage of that spot, great, go for it. And I, I think that's kind of the key part to this whole thing. And it really depends on what your roster looks like. However, if you're kind of struggling with injuries, which a lot of people are right now, or bye weeks we're heading into the really big part of the bye week season, this week 8, 9, and 10, or most of the teams are going to be off, that's a situation where you have to kind of contemplate, okay, do I want to hold on to a Bears defense, for example, knowing in a couple of weeks as we get closer to the uh, fantasy playoffs, they could be a valuable asset, or do I have to win now, do I have to put my best foot forward now, in an effort to even get to that postseason aspiration. That's a question you kind of have to ask yourself when you're putting together a team. And I I think it's a crucial part. Sometimes you can afford to get two defenses, and frankly that might be based off of there are not a lot of people to pick up. And just having any asset, whether it is a defense or kick or whatever else, is better than having no assets in your team. So that's that's kind of how I construct my lineup, but it depends wholly on what your aspirations are for the rest of the year, whether you can kind of afford to – on two defenses or if you have to sort of plan accordingly and and put your best foot forward in an effort to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think especially here at the the midway point for most leagues that this is the the kind of time where you start to evaluate whether or not you have a realistic shot of making the postseason for your league and uh, what moves could you potentially try to make. You get trade deadlines coming up, uh, and with so many injuries this season – if you had to value certain players, the value changes a lot now with these injuries. So how did you, how do you advise someone to maybe try to move a Le'Veon Bell who uh, you're not really sure if he may come back or not, or someone like a Delvin Cook? Uh, You know, what, where do you kind of look at those guys moving forward if you have them on your roster and uh, are maybe looking to try to get as much value out of them if you can, if you're trying to trade them?
2: Yeah, and Leonard Fournette kind of fits in that discussion, too. I think that's the biggest question mark among the running back spots is Le'Veon Bell, Delvin Cook, and Leonard Fournette. And frankly, you could probably throw James Conner into that discussion, too, depending on what you believe Le'Veon Bell will do as we get towards the actual NFL trade deadline. I think it's a two-pronged question. It kind of goes back to my answer for the rut defense, too. If you feel like your team is playoff-ready as it is, Trying to acquire one of those guys for the home stretch for the playoffs isn't a bad course of action, especially a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who intentionally has not taken any wear or tear on his legs this season and could be a big impact for the Steelers depending on how they use him. He's a guy that we know has to potentially get 15 to 20 fantasy points each and every week. Now, I'm pretty much convinced that if Le'Veon Bell comes back, and I think he will, he is going to make it known that he doesn't want to be used as much as he had been used in previous seasons. So what does that mean? Does that make James Conner and Le'Veon Bell more of a timeshare situation where both of their values are affected negatively? Maybe Le'Veon Bell comes in on the goal line, and he can get some touchdowns out of them, or in obvious passing situations, they utilize him more? I don't know. Those are question marks I think we still have to kind of figure out. And unfortunately, with creeping up the fantasy trade deadline, it's difficult to make that assertion. As a for like Leonard Fournette, I think I'm staying away from him completely. And frankly, the same goes for Delvin Cook. If I have any competent offers... Uh, I would rather get rid of those guys and not have to worry about wasting a roster spot in most leagues, and especially again this time of the season with all the buys, it's best to have as many healthy people as you can moving forward because you never know which asset might get better. I mean, look like a guy like Nick Chubb, who even two weeks ago was on the waiver wire and now is among the top 10 fantasy running backs out there. Or Doug Martin, who wasn't just on the waiver wire, but was completely passed over in a lot of situations. Now, one's up vaulting into a prominent role as a backup to Marshawn Lynch, who's out for most of the season. I, Having as many of those lottery tickets, especially in Weeks uh, 8, 9, and 10, is important to making your run to the playoffs, but also winning in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of teams, too, just continue to lose player after player. The Dolphins, their wide receiver core, has been kind of depleted, as much like your Packers you mentioned earlier. Uh, What do you try to do with those teams if you have – quarterbacks or running backs for them to to try to capitalize the the most value off of that team if you're still looking to uh, maybe use those receivers?
2: I try to be as aggressive as possible when it comes to cutting some of those players. Like A guy like Kenny Stills, the fact that we were having uh, concerns that he might be out for the season and then, oh, he's just going to be out this week and come back, that kind of stuff is bad news to me when I'm trying to assess fantasy value. I'd rather just have somebody else deal with that headache as opposed to having my roster, I have to worry about that. So I'll cut a guy like Kenny Stills. I'll cut a guy like Albert Wilson, potentially, if he's unavailable for more than one or two weeks. Um, but the quarterback's a different situation altogether. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he'll do his thing, and the Packers offense will do their thing around Aaron Rodgers. But Brock Osweiler, even Ryan Tannehill, those are guys that, at this point, even with the buys going on, I don't feel confident of using them in a week-to-week basis. I don't want to waste a roster spot on them unless it's a 2QB kind of league situation. And if that's the case, well, you're having to rely on them, you're probably not doing great anyway. So I, I think it's a situation again. it's kind of dependent on where you're looking at your roster and what your aspirations are for this season. But I don't know if I feel great using a roster spot on Ryan Tannehill or Brock Osselweir uh, just because I don't know if they give you a week-in and week-out potential that you'd be hoping for.
1: So uh, we mentioned a couple of trades happening uh, earlier earlier. Uh, last week and leading up to today uh, with Amari Cooper transferring from Oakland over to Dallas and then Carlos Hyde coming from Cleveland down to Jacksonville. Which move do you think is better fantasy-wise for which player?
2: I think the biggest fantasy move from the trades that occurred last week was actually the the Jaguars acquiring Carlos Hyde. And not for any Carlos Hyde-specific reasons, but I think actually... Uh, for Nick Chubb, who I believe was one of the more talented running backs in the league and having to have to sit in the backfield behind Carlos Hyde and kind of split time with Duke Johnson was frustrating from that aspect. Now he has an opportunity to shine, and frankly, the Browns probably aren't competing for a playoff spot anyway, so it's about getting those young players involved and engaged uh, working within that offense. I think it's the perfect opportunity to unleash Nick Chubb to kind of work things around him offensively, and I think it'll help out Baker Mayfield, too. I mean, this is an offense that maybe not this season, but in seasons to come, could be pretty darn effective with Baker Mayfield and David Nujoku and even the guy like Antonio Callaway if he's able to stay in the field. I like what he can do, and I, I, at least projecting-wise, I anticipate they'll be using uh, Nick Chubb quite effectively, So, I, or at least a lot. I don't know about effective, but they're going to be using him a lot. So I like him quite a bit, and you know, Amari Cooper is a different situation entirely where so long as he fits the playbook and is happy, I anticipate he'll probably be a pretty good asset for that Cowboys offense. But what does that Cowboys offense mean in terms of fantasy? That's a different question entirely. If you have Amari Cooper, I'm not trading him, but I'm also not really giving too many prominent offers to acquire him because I need to see how he fits with that offense and how that offense works overall with now finally a capable fantasy receiver.
1: Joe Bartle from RotoWire wire here on The Drive with us today on this Thursday talking some fantasy football, but Joe, it's also hockey season, basketball season has been full swing now as well. Uh, you guys do a lot of stuff over there where RotoWire. wire it's not just NFL football.
2: No, no, it's definitely not just NFL football. I, I have a colleague, uh, A.J. Scholes, who does a great job doing the fantasy aspect for hockey, and I encourage you guys to Definitely check out his Twitter. He answers as many questions as he can when it comes to those uh, f- fantasy hockey questions. I actually also have been uh, getting more involved in the fantasy basketball aspect too. So uh, guys like LeBron James, Chris Paul, that whole suspension aspect with the Lakers and Rockets. Those are questions that we have to deal with every day. And the projection system changes for Orderwire. We account for that, and we have the daily fantasy aspect covered as well. I mean, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different hats that everyone at Orderwire has to uh, wear, but You know, the software aspect, too, is there's a lot of different numbers that the roto team and the the tech guys out there in particular are able to crank out, and they've been really effective and helpful when putting together your lineup.
1: Yeah, I know I always look forward to seeing the updates coming from you guys when I'm playing on my ESPN leagues or when I'm on Yahoo or something, but you guys are a part of a little bit of everything, too, not just ESPN and Yahoo. You guys are part of every aspect of fantasy you guys can get your hands in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, we kind of really started the fantasy aspect back in 1998 when we were doing player notes for baseball, and it's kind of just uh, permeated to every different fantasy situation you can imagine. I mean, we have a pretty exclusive deal with fantasy cricket in India right now, too, and it's it's one of those things where it feels like every single week there's something new or a different partner that we're uh, helping provide coverage for in a different aspect of sports. Like you mentioned ESPN, we're partnered with Fox Sports, Yahoo, there's – a wide variety of large names in the media industry that RotoWire has helped with as far as the coverage goes. And uh, it, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty fun aspect, but it really is helpful when it comes to putting together your lives just to check out RotoWire's site and see what they really can offer you.
1: So you can check them out, rotowire.com. Joe, anything else before we let you go?
2: No, no, I think it's a pretty good conversation. And, uh, I might not watch this game tonight, but I'm certainly looking forward to Sunday Slate and the See y'all. The whole NFL thing unfolds this week.
1: Yeah, it should be a fun week of NFL football, as it always is, because it's football. How could you not be excited right, about football, exactly. right? So that was Joe Bartle from RotoWire. Joe, thanks for joining us. Paul, we'll talk to you again on Thursday next
2: week. Sounds great. Thank you, guys.
1: All right, again, that was Joe Bartle from rotowire.com. We're going to step aside for a break, a little behind here on the break, but when we come back, we'll hear from Dave Wilson. He'll talk with me about Herd football's bye week and the upcoming final third of the schedule when we return after this on the drive.
0: Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: Paul Swan still out again for the week. Adam Rogers filling in for him, or Spanky, however you want to address me. Happy to have you with us here on this Thursday edition of The Drive. Just heard from Joe Bartle from Roto-Wire getting ready for the... Thursday NFL football tonight, Dolphins at Texans. Our coverage starts at 8 o'clock this evening, kickoff around 8.20. But uh, enough NFL football talk. Let's get back to the herd, because Marshall football on a bye week this week, you're like, what, Spaggy? why are you talking about the herd? It's bye week. Well, we're taking a week off. Well, that's why we're going to talk the herd, because it's, it's evaluation time. So joining us now on the program, Dave Wilson, friend, pal, mentor, you know, whatever you want to call it. Dave. Dave Wilson. He uh, works up in Morgantown for WAJR, also hosts the first hour of the IMG Thundering Herd network broadcast of the pregame show. Dave, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Becky. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. H- happy to hear from you you uh you get out well, of, you called me i so. know i know did you get out of the office all right <laughs> today traffic in morgantown wasn't too bad today with uh oh, I, the Mountaineers I got host in Baylor.
0: oh yeah, I, I got out of there long before uh the traffic really started picking up so they were letting schools out early and it was a traffic thing up there because traffic on a good day is a nightmare and uh so they let schools out early hopefully to alleviate some of that but i got way out of town long before uh before the game day traffic arrived.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that you're, you're home, you're safe, and, and we can talk about the herd in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, buddy. So, well, you know, it's,
0: it's safe territory here.
1: Oh, of course, of course. You know, you got a home filled with Marshall alums. How could it not oh, be course, safe? Yes. How could it not be safe? <laughs> so, herd on a bye this week after a, a big win for the herd last time out. Uh, Dave, when you look at the, the herd going into, I guess, middle of this bye week right now, kind of what's your evaluations of of the team uh, at this point in the season still with four games left?
0: Well, I think we're still seeing an evolving football team, and that has to do a lot with the fact that now Alex Thompson uh, is the starting quarterback. He's got some games under his belt, and the offense has even changed from week one. With Isaiah Green, you saw a lot more of the pass. You know, you're throwing for over 250 yards, you know, 300 yards in those first couple of games, and things have evolved and changed uh, as the running game has picked up the last three weeks uh, with, you know, Tyler King, uh, Anthony Anderson, and Keon Davis getting back in the mix last week. So I think you're still seeing the offense evolve a little bit. I I don't think we've seen the finished product there. Um, Defensively, I think you're seeing exactly what you're going to get the rest of the season. You're going to get stingy, tough physical defense that certainly has the capability of shutting down any offense in Conference USA.
1: You mentioned Alex Thompson. I think a lot of people, obviously, I think he even expected to be the starter coming in to the beginning of the season and then had the shoulder injury that didn't heal quickly enough to allow him to take the starting reins for the offense to lead the way, but uh, after that first game, a lot of people said, well, maybe it's not time for Alex Thompson to be the quarterback. But I think over the last two weeks, he's proven a lot of people wrong and that he is a guy that has elite talent, that now that he's had time to get more comfortable with this offense, the offense can only get better from here, as you were saying.
0: Well, I think a lot of people forgot that that game against Middle Tennessee was the first game that Alex had, you know, played at a, at the college level at any level uh, you know, in over a year. Uh, he missed most of the previous season at Wagner with that shoulder injury. Uh, missed time in summer camp. So the, there was some rust to shake off. And that's no easy defense to shake it off against. You have multiple blitzes uh, coming from multiple directions. And once Marshall you know, kind of showed that it was going to have trouble throwing the ball, they really loaded up the box to stop the run. Said, okay, now, now we're going to force you, make this guy beat us. And you know, on that day, he couldn't. He lined Middle Tennessee up again against Marshall, you know, next week, uh, a week down the road after Alex has three, four, five weeks under his belt, could be a totally different story. But I, I think we're seeing the quarterback that he can be. Uh, we saw his effectiveness in those uh, um, you know, read option plays, getting the quarterback run involved a little bit, where T, where FAU was totally king on the running back. He, he's able to you know, turn it into something. So I, I think we're seeing the quarterback he can be. Uh, I don't think we've seen the complete quarterback yet. Again, I think it's one of those things that are going to evolve and hopefully he continues to get better. Uh, The timing of the receivers continues to get better. He starts seeing the same things because we're seeing that a little bit uh, where the receiver sees one thing, he sees another, and they run the slant and he throws the out or vice versa. So uh, I see that continuing to progress and continuing to improve as they head down the home stretch.
1: Yeah, because like you said, too, I mean, with him being a full year removed from having played a game, he was also removed from practicing and getting that chemistry with those wide receivers. And you can tell as the weeks have progressed since he came in for that Middle Tennessee game that that timing has gotten a little bit better, and the running game has only helped that because now you have to respect that run. And that game against Florida Atlantic, Anthony Anderson and Tyler King had themselves a field day against that FAU defense.
0: Yeah, you know, Tyler King really, really looked good over the last couple of weeks taking that number one role. Uh, Anthony, uh, I liked getting him involved in the offense more down at ODU, uh, you know, because people think so much of him as, you know, that that third-down bruiser back, a guy that can go in and pick up a blitz and all that's true, uh, but he certainly has the capability of being an every-down back, a guy who can give you 30 carries if you need him to. Uh, fortunately, I, I don't think Marshall needs him to carry the ball three times. They don't need any of these guys to carry it 30 times. But you're right, getting the running game going, getting those guys cranked up, now that opens up a play action. You've got to respect that. You, you've got to move a safety up and take one off of Tyree Brady. So when that running game works, and I know it's it's old-school type football spank, everybody likes to go four wide and throw it, but when you got that running game cranked up, it, it opens up the rest of your offense.
1: And I think a big game changer, too, with the the running game has been the emergence of Armani Levias out there as a tight end blocking. He's been a, a really big key in the success of this offense as well, I think, because he also possesses the ability to go out and catch the ball as well there at the tight end spot.
0: Yeah, he's been getting more involved uh, each week in the offense. And I asked him that after the FAU game, you know, is this a concentrated effort to get you more involved. And, you know, no, it's hard work and, you know, it's building confidence with the quarterback and trust the quarterback. And, you know, Marshall's had a great string of tight ends. You know, you think over the last you know, decade, 15 years or so, from, you know, Raider to Smith to, you know, Slate, uh, Gator Hoskins, and the list goes on. And I think Leviathan uh, can fit right into that. And just that adds another weapon. If defenses are going to bracket and double Tyree Brady, You're going to find the tight end open somewhere. Uh, You know, there's not enough guys to cover everybody, so uh, I like him getting more involved in the offense. And I mean, I like his ability to block. Now he missed a couple of blocks uh, in that FAU game, but I do like his ability to get out there and run support and uh, you know, drop back as a an extra pass protector when you need him in those situations.
1: Now let's uh, turn our our attention over to the defense. The defense has uh, been phenomenal so far. I think you could say. Uh, And Malik Gantt is a big, big reason as to why, with his presence there, especially in the run game, he just has a knack of finding that football wherever it may be on the field.
0: You know, Chuck McGill brought up, you know, he goes through the notebook and he finds all these weird stats every week. He brought this up on the tailgate show prior to the FAU game that Marshall hasn't given up a run over 30 yards this year. And I said, that well, that's the Malik Gantt factor because – He's that last line of defense. So, you know, if a guy like Daryl Singletary gets through the line, he jukes your linebacker, the last guy going to make that tackle is Malik Gantt, and he's going to make that tackle 99% of the time. Uh, and I love the way he comes up and he, he plays the run on the line, and he's an effective pass defender back in coverage as well. So, Again, he kind of falls in line with some of the safeties we've had lately, but he's a big weapon. You can utilize him in different areas. You can put him on an island if you need to. You can bring him up and run support. You can bring him on the blitz as well. He gives defensive coordinator Adam Fuller a lot of options to play with back there in the secondary.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of guys would underestimate him and because of his size. Uh, not the tallest of players, but he brings the hit stick every time he comes up to make a hit. And I think uh, a lot of you could say credit – for him and for the secondary and the defense as a whole, I think being better tacklers over the last couple of years is those tackling donuts that they use there in pregame warmups. That, I think, has made a big difference in the defense's ability to wrap up and bring down.
0: Yeah, that's something that kind of got lost for several years. Uh, you know, it was always the big hit, and, you know, we're getting away from the big hits nowadays. Um, but you got to hit and wrap when you're out there in space and you're one on one. You can't just throw a shoulder into a guy and expect him to go down. You got to hit him. You got to wrap. Him, you got to bring him down. I think you're right. Those, I, I was skeptical first time I saw him out there, but but I see the practical application. I think it has paid off.
1: So I mentioned Hurd getting ready for the final four games of the year. Bye week this Saturday. Ah. Next up, road trip to Southern Miss. Never an easy trip down there to Hattiesburg, Dave.
0: Uh, there's nothing easy about a trip to Hattiesburg at all. <laughs> at all. I mean, Let alone getting, getting there, there is difficult. Right, Uh, but you're right. It's going to be a tough environment to go on the road and play. And as as Doc likes to say every week, and he'll say it this week, you got to take your leadership on the road. Uh, You know, you got to take your defense, and you got to play near perfect game. It's hard to win on the road. Uh, I don't care if you're going to ODU or you're going to Hattiesburg or you're, you're going to you know Tuscaloosa. It's hard to win on the road. So Marshall's going to have to go down there. Going to have to play you know the same style of defense that's played all year. And take care of the football. I know it all sounds cliche, and you know we, we can all kind of grin when, when Doc says that stuff in his press conference during the week. But but it's all true. If you're going to win on the road, you got to play solid defense, and you got to take care of the football. And if you do those things, you're going to put yourself in a position to win. And Marshall's in a position right now, Spanky. Uh, you know, not to jump ahead, but you know there is no margin for error right now. You're in the thick of the. Conference USA Eastern Division race. You're going to have a chance at FIU at the end of the year, uh, but you, you can't have any slip-ups along the way. So you got to treat each week. Here we go with the doc cliches again. Uh, you got to treat each week like it's championship week. But I think the guys have bought into that. Uh, Alex Thompson has mentioned that. Uh, Malik Thompson mentioned that. Malik Gant mentioned that kind of an attitude as well. So I think the guys have bought into that, and they're going to treat each week as if it's a championship week because. In a sense, every game's an elimination game from here on out.
1: Dave Wilson, multi-hatted man, works for so many different people. It's hard to keep them all straight, but he's our <laughs> friend, Dave, and we always appreciate him having on, having him on. Excuse me. And before we let you go, Dave, I mentioned it is game day there in Morgantown. Baylor Bears in town against the Mountaineers. Uh, uh, Never an easy matchup facing Baylor, but Baylor, you know, as we know, has had its struggles as of late. But uh what are your what's your take yep. tonight on the Mountaineers and the Bears?
0: Uh Baylor's improving, so don't underestimate them, first of all. Uh that's an improving team over the last several weeks. Um it'll be interesting to see if West Virginia has corrected some of its ills on offense. Uh talking to some of the people who know and pay attention. Um You know, they could see what happened at Iowa State. They could see that coming. Uh, Going back to the second half of the Texas Tech game, didn't play really well against Kansas, but, you know, it's Kansas. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they've corrected some of those ills. Uh, Keep in mind, even the year that Baylor won the Big 12 championship, uh, a couple of years back, uh, their one loss in regular season was in Morgantown. So tough place to play, especially a night game. Uh, It's an improved Baylor team. But if uh, Will Greer is the quarterback, everybody says he is, Mountaineers are the team everybody says they are, then they need to win this game.
1: Dave, thanks. We appreciate your time as always, sir. Have a good off All week right. with the Herd. But, hey, you got a big game there yeah. tomorrow for, with Morgantown
0: High. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Mohawk Bowl week. Uh, Morgantown High will take on University. Um, University can get in the playoffs, Spanky, even with a loss. They'll probably drop to 16 uh, as far as Morgantown goes, a win and they're into the playoffs. And then there's a whole bunch of different scenarios to play out to see where, if they would get the uh, joy of going to Martinsburg or Spring Valley, and there are 14 other teams that don't want to go there either. So, yeah, as a Cabell uh, we'll Midland guy, all takes out.
1: as a Cabell Midland broadcaster, I'm hoping for a not a far trip either.
0: So, well, I heard Jason Toy last week on game night mention something about not wanting to have to make the trip to Martinsburg. I'm like, well, you and everybody else in the state, Jason. Nobody yeah. wants to go over there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we'll keep in touch, Dave. We'll chat again. Thanks for having, or thanks for joining me on the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Spanky. <laughs> I'll see you later, Dave. You
1: know- <laughs> that was Dave Wilson. Uh, we'll step aside for a break. we got some time to catch up on. We'll be right back after this on The Drive.
0: Don't worry, Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: Adam Spigot Rogers filling in for Paul Swan today here on The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. And man, I gotta say, I wish I was gifted as an athlete uh, when I was younger. I was an athlete, but I wasn't gifted. That's why I'm doing radio. Um, but Darius Baisley. Number was ranked the 13th overall prospect in 2018 by ESPN, originally committed to Syracuse, then decommitted from there in March, said he was going to play in the NBA's G League, was going to forego playing college. Instead of going overseas, he was going to play in the G League, going to be the first high-rated prospect to do that. Well, now he's not doing that either. He's actually going to have a $1 million internship with New Balance where he's going to get paid roughly $200,000 a year over five years. Uh, assuming he's got an NBA roster in the second year and in the league each there, each year thereafter, his deal could pay him up to $14 million if he reaches performance incentives written into the contract. And again, this kid is foregoing college, going to forego playing overseas, and is going to have an internship that starts in January, ends in March with New Balance, and he's going to make a million dollars plus over this deal if he makes it in the league and sticks. Wish I could say that I had that deal going for me, but I don't. So uh, we'll step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up here on The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Back on the drive, closing up the broadcast for today. Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday, October 25th. Final Thursday in October. Getting hurt football on a bye this week. But we've got high school football tomorrow. Huntington High in action. Woody Woodrum will have the drive tomorrow from Huntington High up at Bob Sang Stadium as he gets ready for the Highlanders contest there against Parkersburg High School. So again, you'll have Woody on the drive, and then you'll have Huntington High against Parkersburg a little later on Friday evening. For Gabriel Sellers, my producer, big thanks to him as always. I'm Adam Spanky Rogers saying thanks for listening to The Drive presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Have a great Thursday. Catch you later.
0: Board Station.